This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. This is episode 28, season three of Strength Agenda Radio, featuring the bearded man, myth, and legend, Spencer Tyler. Back in the Cal Strength days, I had, at that time, probably one of the worst training sessions of my young weightlifting career. Weights were heavy that shouldn't have been. I was missing routine lifts, and on more than one occasion, I either thought to myself or actually said out loud, what am I doing? After training, I was doing my normal thing, sitting in an ice bath with a protein shake, feeling sorry for myself, when Dave Spitz walked in and said, what's your problem? So I explained the day I had and how the training session went, and he let out a huge belly laugh and said, that's it? I was thoroughly confused at this point, and Dave proceeded to give me one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received in relation to training. What he said was as follows. He goes, here's the deal. Weightlifting or any training for that matter, is cyclical. At the top of the circle is the highs, your PRs, your medals, your qualifications for teams or meets, and your records. At the bottom of that circle, those are your lows, the bomb outs, the missed attempts, the tears, and the frustration. Everything in between is just riding the wave and the status quo, or mediocrity. But here's the thing. You have to work through each part of the circle. You can't avoid one part in favor of the other, and each part is always going to come around no matter what. The better you get in the sport, the higher the highs get and the lower the lows get. So to be really good at this, if that's what you still want to do, you have to be willing to stick things out and stay the course as you move through each part of your training. To this day, I am constantly telling my lifters pretty much, or pretty much anyone who will listen to me that, you know, in some form or fashion, the version of this story to help them understand what they're dealing with. Today's episode with Spencer Tyler, we talk a lot about just that, staying the course. Everyone has a great plan until they get punched in the mouth. And sometimes it's just not your day, your week, or even your month. But I can guarantee that if you continue to show up day in and day out and put the work in, You will come out better on the other side versus if you just packed it in and said, forget about it. Having to adjust the plan because something isn't working right is never a bad thing. And if it means you will get to move the needle forward, then good on you. But let's also not confuse auto-regulation with being an asshat by doing only the things you're good at in training and ignoring the whole picture of what you're trying to work for. Dan John has been quoted as saying, champions are made by punch-the-clock workouts, not extraordinary efforts. So what I'm trying to say is, you don't always have to be the hero in training to get where you want to go. As a matter of fact, if you're doing it right, you'll hardly ever be the hero. You're mostly going to be defined by how well you navigate the mediocrity and the low parts of your training. So put your head down, stay the course, and I guarantee you're going to come out ahead. Now on to the show. So give me two claps and a Ric Flair. (laughs) Woo! Welcome to Strength Agenda Radio. My guest today is probably one of the most explosive human beings I've ever met in my life. Uh, Multiple-time world record holder in the Highland Games. Uh, Today's guest is Spencer Tyler. Spencer, welcome to the show, bud. What's up, man? Happy to be here. 
So for those who don't know who you are, um, outside of, you know, rubbing elbows. You mean most people. Most people. But, like, you know, besides, you know, rubbing elbows with Half Thor at the Record Breakers event at the Arnold and stuff like that, you know, no big deal. Um, Give people a little bit of a background on uh, uh, what your high school, you know, athletics, um, what you did in college. Because, like, I – the way the world works is really weird for me, but I remember watching – you know, the, you always see the stat lists for college track and field. You were a thrower like I was in college. Right. And I remember seeing your name always at the top of, like, I think it was D2, right? San Angelo was D2? Yes. I remember seeing your name, like, always at the top of, like, the discus things. And it was, like, year after year. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Right. And then, you know, I met Matt Vincent. And we were talking or whatever. And he had mentioned your name in, in passing. And I was like, I know that guy. Or I, I know of that guy. And then I finally got to meet you um, at... God, when was the first competition I met you? I think it was North-South. I think it was North-South, yeah. And you just, um, explosive is the best word to describe you. Just things go, sh- the, 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 the velocity at which things leave your hands when you're throwing is just um, mind-boggling. But for those who don't know, as you stated, most people, um, give us a background on you, uh, like you know how you got started and how you got to the point where you're at now. Well, uh, you mentioned, I guess, start the high school level when you're, when our actual athletic careers, I guess, kind of start blooming. Yeah. Um, a small town, Texas and Liberty Hill, Texas. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't go to school in Texas and be a large guy and not play football. Right. So that obviously was my first passion and, um, track was actually just kind of on the back burner. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was something I was kind of good at, but never took super serious. Cause I just knew I was going to go play ball somewhere. And yeah. Uh, I had to have a, surgery my senior year and all my recruits just dropped off and it was simple surgery just had a appendectomy oh wow uh, which i uh side note i accidentally told a nurse one time when they asked me if i'd had any surgeries i accidentally told her that i'd had an episiotomy oh that that's a little different <clears throat> yeah which yeah <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit different and then i had to call her back in and uh, clarify i do not have a vagina uh anyway uh <laughs> So, um, when, when all those recruits left, I started focusing a little more on shot putting discus and, you yeah. know, I did okay. Uh, I was, you know, right around that 60 foot mark and 190 mark in high school. And then, uh, yeah, that's horrible. Well, coming up with the guys I came up with, uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. you know, you got Brian Robinson and Matt McKinney, they're both throwing well over 200 and, you know, kissing that 70 foot mark. Yeah. And then that kid out of, uh. Fort Ben Austin, throwing like seventy two. I, I oh, mean, okay. yeah, I was I was a fucking nobody, man. Okay, uh, but uh, anyway, um, a buddy of mine's brother threw javelin at UT, and he came down and videoed me at a practice after the state meet. Yeah, and Dan Faff was the throws coach there at the time, and he got his eyes on that video and said, "How the hell did this kid throw that far? He looks terrible." Yeah. And so he called me up and basically said those words verbatim. How the hell did you throw that far? You look awful. Yeah. Are you interested in trying to, uh, you know, pursue a career in track and field in college? Said yes and went to UT, and <clears throat> that's where it all started. And um, then Faf left and went to Florida, and all the throwers just kind of dispersed. And yeah. Went to Tarleton for a year, and our coach got fired. <laughs> so then I wound up <laughs> at uh, Angelo State, and uh, I couldn't be happier. That's where I wound up. Yeah, and uh, really, really dug my heels in and started focusing more on discus than anything else. And, right. Yeah, you know, I was an okay shot putter 
for D2, I think. I think my PR in college was my freshman year, maybe. And, man, it's been a long time. It was like 55 or 57 foot. Okay. And then, again, getting up around that 190 mark in discus. And, uh, yeah, it was fun, man. And then one of my coaches, or he was more of a friend than a coach, uh, Quint Milas, he yeah. got me into um, Highland Games. Because you guys worked together, didn't you? Well, we we did, but before then he was so he was an AD at Angelo State. He was the throws yeah. coach, and then I went to Angelo to work with Quint from Tarleton, yeah. and Tarleton offered him the head throws coach job, so he took it. So gotcha. we switched spots, and but, oh. but it worked out because uh, Coach Reed over at Angelo State's, you know, he's he's a smart dude. He knows his stuff. But yeah, uh, anyway, Quint Quint. Once he got done throwing, you know, he was like a 60-foot shot putter in college. Yeah. And whenever he got done, uh, he, he found Highland Games out in Odessa, of all places. Yeah. And uh, he thought it'd be something I was good at. So we were down at a river one day uh, in the summer, drunk as piss, and he had all the stuff in the back of his truck, and that's where I learned how to throw barefoot awesome. in a dried-up riverbed. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it really, a lot of things haven't changed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, so, um, trying to, I mean, it's really interesting that you say that, like, it just kind of just happened chance, because I think that's how a lot of guys find the Highland games and stuff. For sure. Like, nobody goes out of college and is like, I'm going to start throwing in the Highland games. Right. They see it on TV, they, you know, or they stumble upon a festival, or they run into, you know, somebody that does it and says, hey, I think you might be good at it. Like, when you first started, what were the events that you took to right away? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just curious if, it, if it's a slightly different at all. Yeah, I mean, of, of course the stones, because they mimic the shot put so much. I mean, that's where yeah. shot put came from. And yeah. then um, heavyweight for anybody is a cocksucker when you're starting, but lightweight yeah. is pretty manageable. So yeah. I, was, I was okay at the lightweight right away. And, uh, oh, there's my reminder that I have a podcast with you 15 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, hammers were, I wasn't ever a real good hammer thrower, but right off the bat, I was kind of okay for an amateur. Yeah. And then uh, all the other events were just awful. Yeah. Starting off. Which is really interesting because I think, like, right now, the sheaf is the event. Like I feel like every year for the last at least two or three years, you've broken the world record in the sheaf like two or three times. Right. Like during the season, at least. I mean, I think last year you broke it like three or four times, maybe even five times or whatever. Then this year, um, I, I mean, the, the the world record in the weight for height is just absurd because you got guys like Half Door that throw it. And, you know, Misha will come over. Zolk was always <clears> a really good, you know, weight for height guy. But you're still pushing well you know you, you're 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 knocking on that doorstep as well so it's really interesting for me to hear you say that you know those events were like horrible for you at the beginning because i feel like those are two of your more consistent events like year to year to year yeah for sure well, well chief is such a a bizarre thing to learn and yeah you know it's it's unlike any other movement in sport really i mean you're you're throwing a bag off a pitchfork yeah i mean it's hard to have a background in something that would help with that yeah you know, obviously strength and, and what you do, weightlifting um, helps a lot with, you know, triple extension. But when I was coming up, I wasn't really taught to throw it that way. Yeah, right. And um, whenever I got good at sheaf, I really revamped how I was doing it. And 
was able to time everything. And I did the same thing with, with Wob. Yeah. And you can see, you know, I, I always post training videos and I used to do a vlog and stuff. And when I started to change technique, that's when everything really started clicking. Right, right, right. And I mean, if, if you watch old videos compared to now, it's it's wildly different. Yeah, you know, yeah. actually what I'm doing. Well, and that was the thing. Honestly, man, I, I took a shot at 19 last year. Yeah. And barely touched the bar. Yeah. And I remember looking at the bar, being like, "Yeah, that that's never going to happen. That's just way too high." Yeah. And then this year, Arnold was able to break that record. And, yeah. Uh, like <clears throat> this year, yeah, this year was really cool because this was the first time. Um, I got to watch the Highland Games at the Arnold. Like, years past, when they first started doing the Highland Games at the Arnold, it was outside. And you knew nobody was throwing well. Like, it right. was usually, like, just balls cold out there. And people were just kind of there for a show, essentially. Like, there was no real good marks that were going to be hit. And uh, this year was really cool because the way they had everything set up for you guys, like, it was, you guys had, like, your own little, like, you know, section of the of the expo carved out like there were people i remember people just like when i was sitting at the hate booth people going i'm gonna go watch the highland games i'm gonna go watch the highland games i'm like you could see the standards for you know the the sheaf and the weight for height and you could see when people were running with the caber all the way across from the expo and all that stuff. so i really like how they re you know redesigned and revamped the highland games to be done at the arnold and this year i feel like that just having that crowd just so close to you because at a, at a, at a traditional highland games People aren't that close to you guys. Um, right. Like it, it, the field is nice and spread out because you got, I mean, you have multiple classes going on and all that, that stuff. But here, like you guys had people right on top of you, and, and that that has to help in terms of trying to put together big throws and pushing records and stuff like that. So I mean, obviously that helped and all. But how many? I mean, how different was it throwing indoors, like at the Arnold, versus like throwing outdoors on a you know on the grass and with you know actual stones and stuff like that? Like, do you prefer one over the other? Oh man, well. Throwing inside is awesome because, you know, typically, and again, down here in Texas, you know, it's hot as hell. And during high, Highland game season, it's miserable. Yeah. But, uh, no, in, indoor is nice because, obviously, you have a c- controlled environment, um, and that includes air temperature, ground conditions, and implements. Um, I hate throwing those bags. I, I say that, and I threw it really well this year. I was going to say, you say you hate it, but you broke the world record. In <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. That's another thing just wasn't expecting to happen because those those bags are hard to throw because they flex yeah. while you're spinning. Oh, I can only imagine. And, and yeah, it's hard to time up. But um, no, we, got, we, we got to throw a different indoor shot this year. We got to throw one of those uh, soft ones yeah. that you can smash on the ground, and that helped a lot. Yeah. It was awesome, man. And like you said, though, the way they carved out that area over there, literally the only bleachers in the arena are over there right in front of the Highland Games. Yeah. Yeah, so when people mean, get tired and they want to, you know, sit on their asses for a minute, they're kind of forced to watch us. Yeah. And it's It was awesome, man. And, I mean, and, when I was watching you guys, like, warm up and stuff like that, I walked by the bleachers, and it was like a who's who of who was all sitting up there. Like, I remember seeing, like, Larry Wheel sitting up there, some of the guys that were competing in the bodybuilding and the strongman and Steve Olsenel and all these guys. They were all just kind of sitting up there just chilling, and I'm like, that is really freaking cool. Yeah. Like, it, was just, it was just really cool how they had it all set up this year. Yeah, and, and you can imagine most of those folks walked over going, what the hell is this? Yeah. You, you know, what's going on here? Right, right. And then, you know, for things to go as well as they did, it, it couldn't have been, you know, a better opportunity to get Highland Games in front of new eyes. Oh, absolutely. That's what I say about the Arnold. Um, you know, re- regardless of what they pay or, or this, that, and the other, if you're trying to advance the sport, 
I mean, that's that's your best opportunity to do it because there's right. so many people. Absolutely, absolutely. So, like I, I've mentioned numerous times, if people watch you throw, like you are ridiculously explosive. Um, like I said, probably one of the more explosive individuals that I've met outside of like elite level Olympic shot putters and stuff like that. So give us a little bit of background on your training. Like what kind of stuff did you do in high school and college that maybe helped that? Or were you just always like that? Like you, you mentioned that your, you know, your throws coach that recruited you out of high school was like, you throw so far, but your technique is so bad. Like, was that always just like your gift or was it something that you just developed over time and all that stuff? Like just give us a little bit of insight on your training and how you do things. Cause I want to talk about your, your training now, because I think it's a little bit unconventional versus what you normally see from, you know, throwers and, and more, you know, explosive type athletes. Right. Um, yeah, man, uh, the, the ability to really finish one quick. I mean, I guess really all I can do is thank my parents for that. Yeah. You know, as a, as a big guy, I've always been snappy, you know, yeah. at 330 pounds. I had a 33 inch burp still. Uh, yeah. And, um, was still pretty fast you know when we were testing the 40 last time i actually tested a, a 40 40 meter dash or 40 yard dash whatever it is I was in high school and i was like 310 at the tcu camp and ran a 489 wow. and uh you know it's just one of those things i've always been twitchy yeah but that that energy level burns pretty quick because I'm, yeah. I'm still a fat guy yeah <laughs> for sure i'm a fat guy first but um no, man, uh, in high school, the approach, god dang, uh, I'm, not, I'm never going to badmouth one of my coaches, um, but I will say high school coaches, especially on the strength and conditioning side, are stuck in the loop of, you know, three sets of 10. This is what we did. This yes. is what you're going to do. Yes. And it's obnoxious. And that's, you know, that's what I grew up doing. And then we had a new coach come in that changed things up. It's the first time. My junior year was the first time I ever did power clean, and, and I will say power clean because that's what it was. And it's the first time we actually deadlifted. Uh, we didn't have power lifting uh, whenever I was growing up. So, yeah. uh, you know, started off doing that. And then whenever I got to UT, that's whenever we really started doing more weightlifting-centered uh, stuff. You, you know, got away from the big three lifts. Yeah. Uh, you know, being super highly focused and started working on being more explosive and a lot more... Uh, plyos and a lot of uh you know core work because any any thrower on the planet has has one of the strongest cores you're going to find in sports absolutely not not only from just doing the throws repeatedly but from their training like if you're a thrower not dealing with your core and addressing it like just stop yeah for sure you're just you're just losing power left and right when you're trying to apply that force if your core can't hold positions and stabilize and all that yeah, absolutely. But that, that kind of meshed into, you know, I've been lifting seriously for God dang, 20 years now. And yeah, I'm to the point now where I like to try new things and I've got, you know, a system that, you know, I've, I've kind of has been implemented to me and then I've implemented over the last, I'd say, 15 years yeah. that I really know what I'm going to respond well to. Right. So I've always got that in my back pocket if something doesn't work. Yeah. But I, I'm going to try new things. Yeah, and, right. But, you know, that's kind of what I do. And I, I bounce around, but there's always a core stuff. I mean, especially, like, with the videos, there's always stuff I'm doing that, that I don't record. Right. I, th I think I put a, a sprint video up recently, and everybody's like, well, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, well, we do this often. I just never show it. Yeah, right. Because nobody wants to see a guy my size sprinting. No, 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 no. Unless, yeah, unless you have, like, exquisite form. Right. Um, it's gross. 
That's okay. Your your beard more to makes up for any grossness in technique because you have a fabulous beard. So <laughs> all yeah. is forgiven. So now with your turn, one of the things that can, I wouldn't say surprises me, just given how you move and all that stuff, is you deadlift fairly heavy, fairly often. And by fairly often, I mean like it looks like you deadlift once a week. Um, I could be wrong. It could just be the way you post videos. It could be every other week. But that's still fairly often, in my opinion, for pulling heavy. And by pulling heavy, I mean I can't tell you the last time I haven't seen you post a video where you deadlifted less than like 650. So what what's the thought process behind that? Because that, that you hear a lot, especially in the Highland games and throwing in particular, you hear a lot of guys talking. They're like, deadlifts are bad. Don't do deadlifts. Do snatches. Do cleans. Do you know this. Do that. But don't do heavy deadlifts. And you obviously seem to be doing well with heavy deadlifts, like mixed into your training program. So what's the thought process there with that? Man, I was one of those guys three years ago. Uh, I was like, you know, I don't think deadlifts wildly important to throw far. Yeah. And you know, I still don't know that it is. It, it obviously it doesn't hurt. Right. Um. Because you know, you look at like uh, Jordan Clark, who's got a massive deadlift. You know, there, there are some there are some elite throwers out there with some huge deadlifts. Right, right, right. Uh, I think he pulled like eight hundred or something stupid. Jeez, jeez. Um, but I started. Man, I was actually embarrassed. Matt came down and we were in my garage, and it was him, uh, the guy trained with Joe Dan, and myself, and we were pulling. and And I had pulled over six hundred before, but that day for some reason. Uh, I couldn't even pull 600. I pulled like, I think I got stuck at 585 and couldn't pull that. And I was just yeah. embarrassed and just kind of got it in my mind. Yeah, that was four years ago. It got it in my mind. I was like, no, I want to, I want to see what I can get my deadlift to. And I right. never, ever trained it. So yeah. I knew I was like, I'm probably going to have big jumps. Um, and, and I like big jumps. They're always fun. Yeah. So, uh, started training deadlift and, um, you know, that's, it's it's deadlift and squat. I always like to get those over with early in the week because yeah. uh, they're they're miserable. Yes. And well, in deadlifts they, in particular, like they fry your CNS more than anything, in my experience. Like, oh, for I, sure. I, I mean, I made the stupid mistake uh, a couple weeks ago of maxing my deadlift twice in the same week because I was pissed at what I didn't hit the first time. Like I would yell at my lifters for doing this, but I did it myself. Like I maxed out my deadlift. I had the lift I wanted and like a plate slid off and I ended up dumping it. But like I tried it again, it wasn't even close. And then like four days later, I'm like, I'm going to do it again. And then I was wrecked for like a week and a half after that, because it doesn't matter what the weight is maxing your deadlift. It just destroys your CNS. And I did it twice in a week. So that's why it's, that's why that's the other reason it's really interesting to me because throwing is such a CNS driven sport and right. deadlifts, I think out of a lot, out of all the lifts affect it the most. Yeah. I keep it, uh, I think I'll, uh, I haven't, actually, I say this yesterday, no, what was it yesterday, what day is it, Tuesday, uh, we, we didn't lift Monday, so we, we pulled on Tuesday, Yeah. and I pulled 705 for a double, which is a PR, because I've never tried it before, right. I know that I've been stronger on my deadlift before, Yeah. and then thought, well, hell, I'm going to try and pull an all-time PR and tried 745 and got about an inch off the ground and realized it wasn't going to happen and just dumped. Yeah. But, uh, you know, right now we're kind of doing the, the Ed Cohen deadlift program. Yeah. Just on deadlift. Um, and you know, come to find out it's kind of funny cause it's what it's, it's almost exactly what I did last year. And it's just what, what I started to do. Yeah. 
And, you know, you've got that Bulgarian style of lifting where it's max effort every day in yeah. something. Yeah. You know, one, one way or the other, not, not, not necessarily a single rep max, but maybe you're going for a five rep max or maybe yeah. you're, you know, yeah. maxing out on dips, whatever the hell it is. So we would work up to a heavy triple or double. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to say it was a max lift, but we'd work up to that 90 to 95% range. Yeah. And then back down and do a heavy EMOM. Uh, the for those people who don't CrossFit, the every minute on the minute, and I like uh, that's you know that's one of my favorite ways to lift now. One yeah. of my favorite ways to train, you know, low, low recovery and high, yeah. you know, high intensity. Uh, Absolutely, my my body reacts to that really well. Yeah, and uh, so we'd go for that heavy triple or double, and then drop back down, and do ten to twelve minutes of that, and do uh, you know pull doubles for. 10 or 12 minutes. Yeah. And depending on what the energy level is like after that, then, you know, do just see how many reps we could get at a certain weight. Right. And it's just fun, man. It's, it's fun to beat the shit out of yourself for, you know, once well, a week. I mean, if you're not having fun training, like what the frick is the point? Like, yeah, exactly. And, and man, I, I love that. <clears throat> I lost that feeling after Arnold. I was bummed because I hurt my pack and yeah. Dude, I got in a weird spot where, you know, training wasn't fun and yeah. I'd still go in. I just didn't have that mentality. Yeah. And it actually deadlifting one day, one deadlift session kind of pulled me out of the gutter and I got that, you know, kind of killer mentality back in the, in the weight room and right. it hadn't gone back away since. So, so if you were to like describe your, I guess, methodology with like the training, like what do you follow closely along, like along the lines of? Like there's all these different ways of training and stuff like that. But if you had to put, if you had to put like a label on it, somebody that has no idea what you do or how you do it, like if they were asking you for like a label, like what would you put on your training? Dude, that's hard to say. Um, Cause honestly, like, you know, like we we're talking about earlier, we, we've done it so long. Yeah. I have a feel for what I can and can't do. Right. And you know, at this point in my training, it's hard for me to follow along with somebody that's, you know, got prescribed percentages and stuff like right, that. Right, right. You know, as athletes who have been training a long time, you know, if something's too light, yes. you also know if something's too heavy. Yes. So if the percentages are off, I'm not going to stick to them. You know, if it's too heavy that day, I'm going to drop down because I want to finish the workout. Right, right, right. And if it's too light that day, uh, and I know it is, then, then I'm going to push it to where, you know, those last few reps are tough. But Absolutely. honestly, dude, like, um, James, uh, uh, oh my gosh, how am I forgetting James's last name? Come on, dude, the guy out of, out of Missouri uh, through Highland Games. Now he, he, he fights, uh, he coaches MMA guys. Oh my god, it's gonna drive me nuts. Of oh, course, I'm trying to, name. I'm trying to drop his name and I forget his freaking last yeah. name. I know what you're talking about, I can't remember his last name either at the moment. Uh, but. You know, he he kind of got me onto that Bulgarian style of yeah. uh, of uh, you know something maximal effort every yeah, day, and absolutely. I really really like that style. Nice, uh, because you know you don't have to destroy yourself to get a max effort in something. Right. So I leave a lot of days, you know, within two hours, being completely recovered from the workout and feeling pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And then some weeks it, it takes me. A month, <laughs> it feels yeah, like right. to recover. But no, I like that. So, I mean, if anybody's familiar with that, I, I just keep throwing out that word Bulgarian. But yeah, uh, you know that. 
Yeah, people yeah. people know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Um, um, so, well, I know I know some people in my world have no clue. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, there's you mentioned CrossFit to some people. There's still people turn their head and go, "What?" And I'm like, "Never mind." Um, oh yeah, the guy I trained with, Joe Dan, like we got in a big fight because he got tired of me saying CrossFit. Like we didn't live together for like three months because. He's like, if you say CrossFit one more time, and I was like, CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that you antagonize that. Um, right. <laughs> so you're a pro Highland Games athlete, um, and most people hear the word professional athlete or of, of any kind, and they're like, you know, millions of dollars. Obviously, that's not the case. Highland Games being a pro is a pretty cool deal. Um, you get to travel, and you get paid to do it and stuff like that. You get to hang out with your buddies and throw things and you know, do all sorts of cool stuff, but you also have a full-time job, you know, outside of that. You also, you know, have a wife, you have two daughters. Um, talk about the balance, like what, like about that, 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 that work play balance and stuff like that and how you juggle everything. And like anybody that's trying to, you know, not necessarily do the exact same thing, but like we were talking to Kurt Jensen earlier and he's a, you know, he's a top 10 shot putter in the world and mm-hmm. he has two jobs like he's a full-time job and a part-time job on top of his training and stuff like that just talk about like the little nuances and stuff like that the, the little things that you do to kind of keep everything as balanced as you possibly can because obviously nobody's perfect but you can do the best you can with what you got right for sure and uh you know it was it was hard starting off and you know talk about pro highland gamer it's 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 kind of a blurry line of, of when you turn pro yes uh, you, you kind of just declare and as yeah. long as you can get into games and you're good enough, you'll, you'll, you'll stay around, but there's no pro card uh, or anything like that. Or right. Exactly. That you you just, win that gets you the title. Yeah. And then kind of, kind of the old golden standard was win North South. And then that's, that's kind of going away because, and you know, my advice to people, I know this is, I'm kind of detracting from your question, but no, my right. advice to people in, in Island games is, if you're throwing far enough to be a pro, go pro. Like, don't yeah. wait around to do all these things that people say, well, you got to do this. No, screw yeah. that. Start making money. Pretty much. Go pro. Uh, anyway, no. No, I would say the best advice I was given is, like, if you're throwing really well, like, you're not going to get much better as an amateur. Like, just go throw with the pros, and they're going to push you to get better, or they're going to kick you out. Like, Yeah, throw yourself back into the deep end. Yeah, right. So you have to learn how to swim again. Right, You know, right. if you're just beating the shit out of everybody, it gets boring. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, so early on I was a a high school, you know, football coach and didn't have a lot of time to train and definitely didn't have a lot of time to travel because, you know, a lot of the games are right here during football season. Yep. Yep. And in Texas, you know, I just, it wasn't working. Yeah. And so I got out of that and got into sales and that really opened up, you know, my ability to, well, most significantly train and then travel. Yeah. So, um, and, and the way I balance training out is, you know, we, we've got a group, there's three of us, you know, it's me, Joe Dan Minnick, and now Chris Shuttlesworth moved down here and, uh, they're both am throwers. Uh, but we wake up at four 30 in the morning and we're at the weight room by about a quarter to five. Yeah. And I get done with my lifting nine times out of 10 before any time in my, anybody in my family at the house is awake yet. Right, right, right. Um, so that doesn't really impact them, which is good. Yeah. Uh, whenever I throw, whenever I'm training and, and throwing, which I haven't done lately, because uh, it's you know middle of the season is so damn busy. Yeah. But uh, that's I'll, if 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 I'm able to leave the office early one day and I can sneak that in before having to do work at the house, then I'll go sneak yeah. that in or just do it late 
and we'll go as a family because because my wife throws two. Yeah, yeah. So that that helps out a lot. But uh, in season, man, it's it's tough. It, it sucks. I miss yeah. my family. I don't I don't like being away and yeah. You know, leaving for four days a week every week, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, you, you know, it's hard because it's also, it's a blast. You know, I get to hang out with my friends. Right. And get to compete and get to make some money. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome. And, and to say that I don't do it, you know, the money doesn't suck. It's not great, but no, it's, it's pretty awesome supplemental income. And, oh, and right now it, they're, they're it really be. helps my wife stay home with, with the kids. Well, absolutely. Like there have been a few people that have actually been able to make a living off just competing in the Highland Games. Like, they start, like, Ryan Vieira is one that comes to mind. Like, that was his deal for so long. He literally would just throw from March till, you know, October. And then, Yeah, and, and, and and, but that just, includes a lot of time in Scotland, too. Oh, absolutely, 100%. But he still was able to make some sort of a living off of it. And it was like, more oh, for sure. If you, if, you, if you can make that work and you're good enough, like, more power to you. That's also going to be a lot of time away from family, friends, and stuff like you said because you're traveling almost every weekend, but right. you know, you know, cost versus, you know, benefit and stuff like that. It's just, it's really interesting. It so, is. And I think, I think right now, Lucas went to a big Polish guy, Sebastian went to his brother. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's all he does right now. I think he's just a Highland games athlete. Really? Yeah. They, they moved to Scotland, him and his wife moved to Scotland and everything. And pretty sure that's just what he does. Cause, and, and again, being, the most prolific Highland gamer of all time, uh, you know, we're, we're just building a straw man here. If, if you are that person, yeah. best case scenario, you might make maybe 60 grand a year. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, it's not big of money, but that's a, that's a living and it doesn't suck. Right. Exactly. Doing, doing something that you really, really enjoy. So, yeah, for sure. So what's next for you? Like what, what goals, what, you know, things are you working towards, you know, whether it's on the field, <clears throat> outside the field, all that stuff. Like, like just what's next for Spencer Tyler? Man, I don't like losing. <laughs> I want to, I seriously, I seriously want to win every event and every, or every competition and every event in that competition. Right. And I want to get to that point. Uh, you know, I'm getting a little older, so I've got a finite amount of years to, to do that, but that's my goal competing and uh you know i i want to go down as possibly the best there ever was which is going to be hard to do because that list is uh it's, it's a pretty, pretty stacked deep. list i'll say it's pretty deep list there yeah yeah god dang it um but yeah yeah you know i just i like to win and uh right. i want to i want to keep winning <laughs> hey there's nothing wrong with that but uh no and and you know grow professionally and then um, sport wise. And then when, when I hit that level, when my girls start getting more involved in sports and stuff, then I want to just work on being a family man after that. Right. Absolutely. Now, how old is, how old is your oldest right now? Eva is my oldest and she turns five at the end of August. Holy crap. And old. then Jonna is 10 months. I was going to say she's nah. coming up on a year, right? Yeah. She'll be a year at the end of July. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't believe Eva's that old already. I know, dude, and she's gigantic. I'm looking at a picture. I, I got a picture of us up on the computer, and this was um, a year ago. Yeah. So she wasn't even four yet at this picture I'm looking at. And she's just gigantic. Yeah. She, she plays with a seven-year-old 
girl across the street and she looks down at her. It's it's nuts. That's just there. Well, I mean, you you and your wife aren't you know, you know, just run of the mill like Gen Pop folks. Like you guys, you guys, you're both throwers uh, in college and now in the Highland Games and stuff like that. You guys are athletic. You're built like athletes, so it doesn't surprise me that your child isn't built the same way. I'm yeah, sorry. no, I agree, and that's you know, I told uh, uh, Olivia, my wife, I told Liv early on that uh, I was like, listen. I'm, you're breeding stock. <laughs> we're we're going to do this the right way. <laughs> that was, I had a throws coach in college that he used to do that at track meets. And he would just sit there and he, it, was, it was so wrong at the time, but it was still funny. And he'd just like point to a girl and uh, one of my buddies, I, I was, I, I had a girlfriend, my wife at the time, we were dating, I probably engaged or whatever, but my other buddy was single and he would point to a girl and be like, hey, see that girl over there? He goes, that's good breeding stock. And I'm like, what? What? And he goes, hey, you got to think for the future. He goes, you got to make sure your kids are able to take care of you. You know, he goes, so just just plan accordingly. And I was like, all right, cool, great. That's yeah, that's exactly. Hey, college is expensive. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. That you I don't want to have to pay for that. No, God, no. Especially nowadays. So yeah, if you can get your kid a college scholarship, you know, just based off of their genetics alone, let's do the dang thing. Hell yeah, that's what that's what my coach. Same thing, you know. He'd be like, hey, who's this girl? He'd like. And, you know, he was, his mind was in the gutter nine times out of ten. But yes. He's like, I tell you what, man, I'll send you a package, a care package with diapers, and there will be a scholarship in that, in that package of diapers for that little baby. <laughs> Contract is waiting for them upon birth. <laughs> right. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, get some words from our sponsors, and we're going to move on to the lightning round. You ready? All right. Okay, athletes. Let's take a quick break from the show to talk about the snatch. Oh, yes. The snatch, the lift that you either love or hate. I struggled with my lift for so long. I had the strength, but my technique sucked. Like, it really sucked. I would not encourage you to watch any of the old Cal Strength or MDUSA videos on YouTube, but if you do, it's out there, looking awful. After years of muscling through it, I got serious about making my lift look better. I wrote up a plan, and for 30 days, I spent 10 to 15 minutes daily doing some drills and exercises. Wouldn't you know it, but the consistency pays off. Sure, maybe my snatch doesn't look like Harrison Mars, but it looked a hell of a lot better. And if you struggle with your pull or your lockout or you're just constantly getting thrown back by the bar, I want you to go to snatch.thestrengthagenda.com. My training plan, 30 days to a better snatch, is there for free. Just drop your name and your email and you'll get the whole plan I use and use on my lifters to go from struggle bus to smooth sailing in a month. Every day you'll get an email from me with videos to the exercises I want you to do, complete with instructions and cues to focus on. Seriously, if I could go back in time and have 2012 Tom do this, I would. I spent far too long fighting that bar instead of making it work for me. Snatch.thestrengthagenda.com. Think of where you could be in a month. All right, lightning round time. Um, these questions have absolutely nothing to do with anything. Um, I'm just going to ask you the question. You're going to give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, sometimes you might have to back up your statement, and we're just going to have a little bit of fun with it. So, first question up. you got an entire map of the United States. Every uh, state is a button. Uh, you push that button, the state disappears off the map for good. Which state are you eliminating and why? Hawaii, because oh. I never have to look at them anyway. <laughs> That's all right. Just, just out of sight, out of mind. Just buy all right. All right. Um, Spider-Man and Batman, they're in a fight. Okay, you're, you're a comic book guy, right? Or you at least know of the comic books? Mildly, yes. Mildly, mildly better than no. Uh, Spider-Man and uh, Batman, they're in a fight. Who's winning and why? 
Not Superman. Spider-Man. Well, dude, based on comic books, Batman can't lose, right? Something like that, yeah. I'm not. It DC seems fan. like he never loses anything, so it's got to be Batman. Fan. Right. But what does your gut for, tell you? For no other reason than, than just because it's Batman. All right. Well, what does your gut tell you? Does your gut tell you Batman's going to win? No, my gut tells me in reality... Anybody with a, a superhuman power is going to beat the shit out of Batman. You would think, right? That's my one big issue with like the DC comics. Is like, I'm sorry, Superman should never make anything as hard as it is. Like, he should just <laughs> be able to just rip people limb to limb, and that's the end of it. Like, that'd be boring comics. But right, and if you miss a punch, then just fly around the world backwards and and turn yeah, back just, time yeah, and just, try again. There you go. I, I like your I like your logic. I like your logic. Okay. You walk up to anybody in, you know, past, present, future, whatever, and you walk up to them, you can kick them in the shin. No repercussions whatsoever. You put on your steel toe boot and boot them right in the shin, give them a tip, tip fracture, whatever. Uh, who are you kicking in the shin and why? Oh, my God. This list is so fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> the top. We're at the top of the list. Oh, man. I mean, if anybody says anything other than Hitler, what's wrong with you? You know what? You are now the second person to say Hitler. That is that is so far the most popular answer with this question. So I, I, I would. I mean, it's got to be. If if you have to choose one person, you could just humiliate in front of everybody. That would have to be the guy. I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. All right. But there's there's a long list of assholes in my past. I'd like to do too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Per, yeah. That. <laughs> I mean, personally, there's a ton of people. But like, when you think like on a on a worldwide spectrum. Yeah, I would imagine Hitler has to be at the top of that list. Okay. Yeah. Right, second, come. close, close second, Dan McKim. <laughs> no, that's a hundred percent not true. He's way too nice. I would say you're, are you, are you not a fan of his dad jokes? <laughs> he's no. got, he's got cows now or cattle like in the middle of suburbia. Did you yeah, see he's that? He's a smart man. He's getting that ag discount there, that, that ag exemption. That's his, that's insane. When I saw it, like at first I thought it was a joke when he first posted it, and I was like, "No, Dan McKim legitimately has cows in the middle of his neighborhood. He bought a little plot of land, and he's got a fence up, and he's got cows grazing in the middle of suburbia. Like that, that must be you know a, a scene when people are driving through that neighborhood for the first time. It's funny because that's like super common where where I grew up. Is it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's nothing. There's I, I actually on the edge of town, right on the edge of like the, the four, in this small town, ranch community, Texas, at the four way stop, right at the edge of town, uh, there's a, a guy. Oh, God, I'm going to draw a blank on his name, but he always lets his cattle graze the open pasture, which means he just turns them loose on the road. That's hysterical. Do they ever get hit? Yeah, so there's just cattle on the road everywhere, and they're uh, Elroy, Elroy Faust. There's a yeah. name for you. There you go. I, I'd kick that dude in the shin. <laughs> but does anybody ever like that? There ever any traffic accidents with the cattle and stuff like that, or no? Yeah, one got hit when I was in high school in the middle of the night. One got hit at a low water crossing because there's nowhere to fear. Yeah. Or you're going into the freaking river. Yeah. So somebody just smashed one of his cows, uh, and it was a black cow, so couldn't they couldn't see it, see it coming up until they were right up on it. Yeah. In the middle of the low water crossing, just. Yeah, nobody died, but uh, it was pretty disgusting because we saw it on the next morning on the way to school. Because it happened probably at like five a.m. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, getting yeah. up the next morning to go to football practice. Yeah, and uh, just yeah, driving, just driving by and there's cow parts everywhere. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty gnarly. That's disgusting, but it's funny at the same time. Uh, next question: You're a WWE wrestler. What is your name, and what is your walkout song? My name is Gunther. 
Okay. And my walkout song would have to be nothing other than Genie in the Bottle. That's my go-to PR song in the weight room. Uh, the Chris, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the Christina Aguilera. Version. Hell yeah, I'm talking about Christina Aguilera. All right, well, that's a, <laughs> that, that is a visual that is now seared into my brain that I will never oh, yeah. get rid of. Thank you for that, Spencer. All right. <laughs> wow. All right, last question, last question. Okay. You're walking in, you're, you're sitting in a bar, like an old Wow Wow West saloon. All right, sitting at the bar, you're, you know, with your drink, the saloon doors swing open. You turn around, there's a penguin wearing a sombrero. You and him make eye contact. What does he say to you? Oh my gosh. Where, first of all, where do you come up with these questions? <laughs> we, sure, I have a list of them. Uh, I just, you know, just thought provoking. That's what I'm about here, Spencer. I, I, I guess he would say, Dad? Question mark. <laughs> it was a wild, wild night in college gone wrong. Right. Wait. Right. Is it a is it a puffin penguin or like an emperor? Uh, it'd be whatever you want, Spencer. Let's go with an emperor penguin. We'll All right. Yeah. Definitely. He's asking if I'm his dad. There you go. Good. Good. All right. So for people who want to find out more about you, uh, uh, um, just see what you're about and all that stuff. Where can people get uh, get a hold of you? Plug time. Plug some stuff. Plug time. Any sponsors that you work with, stuff along those lines. Let's hear it. So uh, somebody that's been, been around since the beginning of time for, for Highland Games with my career is Hate Brand Goods, obviously. Yep. But uh, I'm sure most of your people know who they are. But yep. the hate.com, yep. H-V-I-I-I. Um, and for me personally, uh, Spencer J. Tyler on Instagram. Yeah. And Throw Bros. And our new venture is HG Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which stands for say, Highland Games Live on YouTube. I'll say plug that stuff. That stuff's pretty cool. Heck are yeah. Guys, are you guys still doing the interviews and the podcasts and stuff? Or not, I don't know if it was a podcast, but like your. your yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a weird podcast. It's interview. like a talk show. More like yeah, a talk kind show. of an update talk show. Yeah. Weird. Um, but it worked. I mean, people seem to like it. But now we're doing, you know, we have, we streamed the live events. And yeah. We just. This past weekend, we did one in Utah, which was our first time to unveil the studio and do multi-camera and have a commentator and graphics. Dude, that's awesome. Dude, it's it, it turned out really well. I mean, there are still some bugs to fix, but for, sure. for having a uh, bare-bones crew right now, you know, it's just three of us doing it. Yeah. Well, I, we I made it happen, and it turned out well. I didn't get to see the Utah one, but I remember, like, you guys were one of the few. Like, there was no live stream of Worlds, and you guys had somebody up there. That was, you know, doing the the HD live live stream and all that stuff, and that's one thing I think that'll help too, like give more exposure to the games, is having live streams of events and stuff like that going on. So, like, kudos to you guys for getting that done. Who's that? Is that you, Beach, and Aaron? Yeah, that's. Uh, I started I started the Highland Games Live Pros like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we kind of morphed, and Aaron and Beach, um, Aaron George and Mike Beach started the Throw Bros thing. And Throw Bros was making money and was able to fund, you know, some better equipment for Highland right, Games right. Live. So we changed the name and, you know, I kind of jumped in with those two guys and they've been a big help. Absolutely. And, uh, throw Bros has been a huge help. And for any of your throwing needs, go to Throw Bros, get you some tacky, some tape. Yeah, they got some implements now. I'd say they got everything now except, I mean, I, well, I just saw the other day, they're now like talking about like doing pitchfork heads. 
Like they what they need to do is they need to not do that because John Irvin makes the best in the world. Yeah. John Irvin's the best, the, the boomsticks. But uh, they need yeah. to make a bag to travel on uh, with with the pitchfork. That, you know what? I think you're on a million dollar idea. Yes. Or, or, at least, or at least a couple thousand dollar idea. A dozen dollar idea for yeah, sure. There you go. Well, I, I had a blast. I appreciate you being on, my man. Um, good luck with the rest of your Highland Game season and all your future endeavors down the road. Um, make sure to check out all of Spencer's sponsors, Hate, uh, Throw Bros, uh, HG Live, and all that stuff. And until next time, man, thank you very much. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.